Welcome to the Live Your Bloom podcast, where I interview people stepping out of their comfort zones to fulfill old dream seeds or plant new ones, regardless of age. And I'm always interested in the challenges and successes of these people. My guest today is one of those people, vocalist Judy Cornejo Brilli, who has been called the vintage voice chanteuse. Judy has met some challenges in her life, and yet she made a decision to return to her passion and live her bloom. It must have been moon glow that led me straight to you. Hi, Judy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. And can you tell us what we're we listening to right now? This is Moon Glow, which comes from 1933. It's a standard that was written by Will Hudson and Irving Mills and has lyrics by Eddie Delange. And it's just a lovely tune. And this is one of your tunes, am I right? Uh, yes, I, I did not write it, as I said, but I, I, I sing it. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it's a wonderful romantic song that will make you want to take out your dancing shoes. Okay, that's great. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background of your life, where you've been, where you've lived, and uh, what led you to the now. Wow, and we, we have 20 minutes or, tw- or <laughs> <laughs> a little longer than that. No. Uh-huh. Or the laser, the laser version. <laughs> exactly, laser version. Uh, let's see, um, I'm a Latina. I was born in San Diego, California. Um, I'm the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. Um, My father immigrated to this country from Costa Rica. And um, my mother is the first, she's of, or she was, she's passed away, of Mexican descent. And she was the first uh, in her family born in this country. And um, so let's see, I'm known as the vintage voice chanteuse. And I know you had asked me before how um, I came to be, involved with this type of music, this niche. And I think a lot of it goes back to my parents because um, I'm the youngest child in the family. And I, there's a 10 year span between me and my, my youngest brother. And um, so my parents were a lot older when they had me. And um, my mother was uh, a Rosie the Riveter during World War II. And mm. she used to, um, she was a swing dancer and she would tell me stories about um, when she was a teenager. Um, uh, she, she was actually not, she was not the person doing the riveting because she didn't, she was only a teenager. She was 15 when she got the job. She was the person who would drive the little, um, uh, she called it her putt putt and she would drive the, um, the uh, materials to the different uh, women who were actually welding and doing that sort of thing. So she was basically Mm -hmm. transport for, for the airplane factory, but she um, would tell me about her childhood and, and her um, years, uh, you know, going to the USO dances and, and uh, she would see all the top big bands. And uh, she would tell me about going to, see Glenn Miller perform and all these different artists. And so that got me really interested in that sort of music. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my father, um, he was uh, he was basically recruited from the US government. He was a tuna fisherman and he was recruited during the war because there were food shortages and fishing was a great way of providing protein. You didn't have to, you didn't have to feed 
the fish. So they wanted foreign fishermen to come here and they offered them a green card if they would do this. So he and my uncle came and then they brought the rest of the family. And so through him, um, I learned, um, you know, my dad would teach me songs from his childhood and, uh, you know, boleros and, and uh, that sort of thing. And um, so there, there's all that for, for the, the music. So all my friends were listening to music you know, the top 40. And I was listening to like my parents' top 40 from, from their youth. And yeah. then additionally, my grandfather, his house was like, um, he lived in the barrio and his house was sort of locked in time. And it was locked in time because he had all this old tech because there was no money to buy new things. So there was, you know, the singer sewing machine with the foot pedal and there was, you know, the old ice box, which was still there, but now it was used as a cupboard. And there was a wood burning stove and there I was, that. Um, yeah. you know, uh, that, yeah. there was a Victrola. <clears throat> he had a Victrola with records and that was magic to hear the, the records on that. And um, so there was that. And then I grew up with a player piano. Um, it was the kind that you had to pump and we had all of the the roles and the roles were all songs from the 20s and 30s. So, yeah. and I think maybe a couple beyond that, but so all of that just drew me right into that niche. Well, you know, uh, you can't see it, but behind me, I, I have a treadle, a restored treadle sewing machine, which mm -hmm. I use. I put something on top of it and that's my vanity. Uh, and I learned to sew on it when I was 10 years old in the 4-H. So I'm familiar with that. Plus yeah. we had we had a bunch of vintage uh, kitchen appliances here. I, I didn't have a player piano, but I did have a Victrola. Well, we didn't have a TV when I was young. And uh, my mom used to vacuum and put the Victrola on with Bing Crosby saying, lay that pistol down, babe. Wow. Lay that. And, we, <laughs> and we would be standing there as pistol packing mama, you know, so these songs come back. So that's why when I wrote the song about Miss Kitty, I put pistol packing mama in there because that's my background, too. I knew we had a lot in common when I first heard you see that. Well, you know, it's true. And and. I'll tell you this is that these songs, they're really timeless because they're so well written. That's why, you know, most of a, yeah. most of us know them as standards. But what I love to do is I love to find these songs that have been forgotten that are mm -hmm. just these gems. And I like to, you know, dust them off for a modern audience because some of them, you know, if you're if you're someone who's a collector, well, yeah, you want to go and you want to listen to it on, you know, the original 78. Right. But a lot of people, um, they've never heard these songs and I want to reintroduce them because they're too good to be forgotten. And they have a timeless message. You know, they're um, I say that I sing swinging and sentimental songs because uh you know, sometimes you want to indulge your emotions and other times you just want to forget them. And these songs were written usually during really tough times, like, you know, the depression and, and um, you know, they were songs that were meant to lighten your load and, and you know, yeah. make you feel good. Well, uh, for our listeners who may, may not be familiar, could you give us a couple titles? of your songs that that are these un because i know i've heard a couple songs and i said i don't know that song where did she get that you know oh well you know one of the ones that i just released a video of is twinkle twinkle little star and everyone hears that and they think oh it's like you know uh, the children's uh yeah. that's it right yeah. 
twinkle, twinkle, little star. Way up in the heavens where you are, oh, shine from above. For I feel that I'm falling in love. But, you know, it was actually um, not. It was about, you know, uh, making a wish on a star. And it was used in a, in a film. You know, it's kind of like uh, there was the old um, Ella Fitzgerald song, A Tisket, A Tasket, My Green and Yellow Basket, right? right. Uh-huh. Kind of like that. She made it into a swing tune. And, you know, Frank did like a swinging version of Old MacDonald, right? So yeah. it, it's kind of like that. You know, they would take all these songs and that were familiar so that it piques someone's attention, but then they swing it. And yeah. uh, so that's really fun. And let's see, another one in the dim, dim dawning is. I, d- I never heard. That's one I never heard. I remember when you did that, I said, oh, goodness, where's that in from? In the dim, dim dawning as I start yawning, I'm kissing my sweetie goodnight. Good night, sweet dreams. Good night. Yeah, there are so many just great forgotten songs. And, you know, pre-pandemic, I had um, gone into the studio. Um, I had uh, children who had who were teenagers who needed their mom around and I couldn't be out playing in the nightclubs all the time. I would do cabaret shows and those were more kind of, um, you know, uh, one-offs. I'd do maybe a couple weeks performances and then, you know, go away and disappear and then have to like, you know, it's like this big engine, you know, as an indie artist, a big engine that you have to rev up again and get going. And, and, um, so I decided that was just too tough. I needed to, um, focus on the future. And so I took a page from my cousin's book. She is uh, the same thing. She was, she stayed at home, raised her children. And, um, but she was a a lawyer and she had a a love of cooking and had always taken cooking lessons. And then she started offering cooking classes for kids. Mm. And she started setting this up while they were still in high school. So that way, when they graduated from high school, she could kind of hit the ground running, which she did. So that was a great inspiration to me. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Only I'm going to do it with my music. So I started recording a ton of music. And the first thing I did was I recorded um, a Christmas CD called Winter Was Warm. And um, I call it Winter Was Warm, Swinging and Sentimental Songs of the Season. Winter was warm. Summer soft that year, the winter was warm. That one also, I had like a bunch of um, obscure songs on it too that um, I wanted to bring to people's attention. But then that came out. And at the same time that that came out, I started compiling songs for what I thought would be a, a Valentine's release. I thought, oh, I'll just do a, you know, three songs for Valentine's EP. Mm. And that turned into this body of like 50 songs. And then we whittled it down, my producers and I, and we ended up recording 32 songs. And so by the time the pandemic um, hit, I actually had 32 songs mastered and ready to go, which was really strangely fortuitous because, you know, I could just keep releasing music bi-monthly. Right. So since the pandemic, I've just been focusing on on the business aspect, learning this business aspect with you yeah. and our in our wonderful Amplify Mastermind. Right. But it's you know, it's been very little singing. It's been mostly doing the administrative stuff, which is 
you know, if you're an indie artist, you're wearing so many hats, you're the graphic artist, you're the uh, PR person, you're management, you're, uh, you know, social media uh, manager, you're, and it, it can be overwhelming, but um, now I actually am going to be going into the studio again the first week in June. So I'm excited to be doing something that's actually music. (laughs) I know. I was just talking to somebody before uh, who, who made the statement. She said, I'm always in the alpha state, meaning my, my mind is going all the time. I got ideas. I got ideas. But now that I'm in, now that I'm an indie marketing musician, I can't act on them all the time. So I always keep something handy as a writer. And I do the same, my my cell phone. I'm like, where's my cell phone? Okay. I put that in there and then I try to find time to sit with my music, but a lot of my time is spent on indie marketing. And I don't think people realize that we're in, in such a different, such a different world. Yes, we can market ourselves, but it's very time consuming. And every time you get a handle on something, the technology changes or this thing called an algorithm, which uh, is a new term when applied to marketing and it changes and uh, you've got to stay on top of it or else you become obsolete. And it's a challenging thing, you know? Yeah, it is. You know, and I, I love that because, you know, you're so inspiring to me, Sharon, because you just, keep learning the new platforms and going ahead and, and you've got your podcast and you've got your music and you've got, you've made a film and it's like, wow, you know, those are all goals. Right. So I I'm very inspired by you. Oh, well, that's a mutual admiration society right here. But you know, my, what I do for my um, live your bloom is help people identify what it is they want to do and then help them develop schedules. Cause it, it is all in the it scheduling. Is scheduling. If you're, if you're in a position, some people are in a position where they're still working or they have responsibilities at home. They may still have someone to care for or kids to babysit for. I hear this all the time. Grandparents that do a lot of babysitting, offer a lot of support. How right. am I ever going to work on me? And then what happens with by the time you work on you, you start to find out that you're a little bit afraid. And maybe you oh. built up a wall. And so, you know, that's something to deal with. So that's what I just... I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't offer personal coaching, but I can help people with the scheduling. And I know about procrastination because I've been there. So, you know, I liked when I asked you before, are you working now? And you said, oh, I sure am. I'm I'm a musician. I'm working full time, harder than ever. Right. I am. I am. Because, you know, it's like I was telling you before we started recording, I find myself at this interesting position where I'm like an emerging artist meets encore career because, you know, I, I love learning. I just love learning. And I've been a lifelong student. And I think um, part of that is because, you know, I look at my father, my father um, was the most brilliant person I knew. And he was completely self-taught. He only went to school up until fifth grade, because his, uh, his circumstances, he had to start working when he was 10 years old to support his family. Mm. And um, so he, you know, came, he came to this country, he didn't speak a word of English, he said that for, you know, the first month, he just ordered spaghetti for every meal, because it was the only thing he knew how to say (laughs) on the menu. But, um, you know, he would study the dictionary, and he became totally fluent, and then he became, you know, an entrepreneur. And so I was very inspired by that. And so I've always loved learning, 
but I didn't, you know, I went to college and then it was like, okay, I didn't just go to college. It's like, I'm going to go to college and get a double degree. And then, okay, now I'm going to go to get my master's. And um, so, oh, you asked where else I've been. I, so I, I, you know, I, I hopped around, I went to school abroad in France and Paris and uh, also in uh, Antibes uh, through the university of Nice, I took some classes and, and then I, came back and I went to school in San Diego again at San Diego State. And then I, you know, uh, graduated from there. And then I went to New York. I, I got into NYU and, um, and I was there. And then, and then it was like, okay, this isn't a good fit. And I was, uh, you know, it, so I, I went from NYU to Cal Arts and that's where I graduated from and, and uh, met my husband. But, yeah. you know, by the time I graduated, I was like, you know, uh late for a student i was in my 30s i was mm-hmm. and i just said okay well now i'm in my 30s i have to have kids because if i were going to have kids my timeline is time is a tick in here yeah and, right. uh, so then you know you have the kids and then you know bam uh time flies really quickly oh it but, does it's like one week one month one year five years and next thing you know like what happened where where did where did that go you know it's crazy it's like time yeah. moves really the days i would say are really slow and then the years are really fast so <laughs> you're right yeah was, like this really strange sort of time warpy thing. I want my okay. listeners to know um, when when you perform, you're the you you do the whole the whole trip, the clothes, the image, the your style. And how long have you been into vintage clothes? Vintage clothes has been as long as I've been into anything vintage. You know, like I say, I would love I, I loved everything old. My mom would always tell me, oh, this is what we would wear when I was a teenager. And I always aspired to have that 40s look, you know, which I thought was so cool. And um, then, you know, uh, my dad uh, had a friend who would um, sell things from estate sales. And so he would bring over, like, he'd say, oh, I, you know, I went to this estate sale and they had some clothes that I thought uh, Judy would like for dress up. So when I was a little girl, I had like this wardrobe of like, you know, tuxedo with tails and, and, you know, a flapper dress, flapper dresses and, and, um, you know, hats and all these things. And so I would, and I was very dramatic kid. So I, I I was involved in theater. So I, I was always wearing these initially just as for dress up for play. And then that just kind of became, you know, my thing so it's persisted oh uh, well I was a seamstress when I was younger because I did learn how to sew pretty good but my girlfriend and I got into buying and selling vintage clothes in New York yeah reminiscence I don't know if they were there when you were there but and uh we kept the best stuff for ourselves. and I marveled at the structure of these clothes they met were meant to last forever I just oh yeah I just love the clothes from that period so when my husband and I put together the group uh Jersey Bounce I don't know if you know that song they yeah. call it the Jersey Bounce so we dressed in the in those clothes um, I already had a wardrobe full of them but but then we Saturdays we went to estate sales flea markets and uh but the suits and the shoes and the hats. And, you know, we went down yeah. to Atlantic City and worked and we did all music in the style of the modern airs and the four freshmen and the high lows and just had a ball. A lot of work, just a lot of a lot of rehearsing in order to get that together. 
But, well, you know, I like to take people on a on a vintage journey. You know, if you're going to yeah. come, uh, if you're going to come and see my show, I want you to feel like you've been transported to the past. Right. Right. Maybe that's a you know swank supper club in Manhattan, or it's a Parisian cabaret, or right. a London ballroom, or whatever you know your mind conjures. But right. you know, I just I'm real excited, Charmin, because I just um, uh, ordered. A vintage microphone oh, so it's gosh. like one of those big round ones you know from the 20s with the the center uh and it picks up you know four or five musicians playing simultaneously so i'm really excited because that will i think help the audience to really visualize oh, that's that great. That's, era that's, too i can't wait to see it so that brings me to the uh, uh where can people see your streaming or an online concert or get your music uh, well the yeah. best thing is if you know things are changing so much now with with the pandemic and things opening up and and so the best way to stay abreast of information is to go to my website which is judy.biz j-e-u-d-i dot b-i-z I'll say it again, J-E-U-D-I dot B-I-Z. And you can go there and, um, you know, have some fun uh, looking around. I've got a blog there that I, I uh, write on and I have my music and I have videos there. And, um, you know, you can find my music on any of the platforms. My favorite is Bandcamp because um, I don't know if you've mentioned this to your listeners before, but, you know, People don't understand um, the music industry is going through this new, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what the new paradigm is because it's changing so much. You know, one of the advantages as an indie artist is that we have all these tools available to us to market our music now. You know, back, you know, 20 years ago, it was only the major labels who had this opportunity to really um, put out you know, their artists' okay. music, but now we can do that, but we just have to learn it all, <laughs> all the platforms. But right. Bandcamp is fantastic because um, they don't take as much of a cut of royalties from from the payment. And people think that if they go and listen to your song streaming someplace, that you're getting paid. But the truth of the matter is you're getting paid pennies on the dollar, literally. Yeah. It's like, I heard that um, uh, that song... Uh, get happy remember that was so popular it was everywhere internationally uh, yes i know internationally and i heard that he, he like made very little money from streaming for that and think of how many times that song was streamed yeah you know it's I can imagine it, yeah it's crazy so yeah but i know i was teaching at the time and several of the schools i was in used get happy for their graduation exit so yeah. i'm sure i'm sure uh he made money in other ways but that is true and i know people don't think it's true but when you ask someone to say go on spotify and pre-save for streaming you're not really making that much you're not making much money unless you log in an exorbitant amount of plays but it's so good for uh the algorithm this mysterious thing called the algorithm yes and being heard and becoming known so exactly. uh, you know and so yeah, we you struggle know, with the technology and there's a lot of people uh, that even people who like 
classic music from the 30s or 40s are not particular computer savvy. So, you know, then I know you're doing it and I've done it to try to give out vi videos or directions on exactly how do you do it and what does this mean? Like, save, subscribe, share, follow. <laughs> These are all verbs that have an entirely different meaning. Yeah, now, you know? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's a lot and it can be overwhelming. But, you know, I remember it's so funny. Um, back because I never learned how to type right my husband is plays piano and he types very fast and so he's always had a computer and I remember when we first met uh, at Cal Arts I had um, it was like it was kind of like a cross between an electric typewriter and a computer right it wasn't quite a computer but it would save things to to a disk right and um, so I would look at his computer and I get really intimidated and he's like why don't you just sit down and start doing some tutorials, some video tutorials? And I started doing that. And now it's like, it's yeah. just second nature, but you just have to not be intimidated. And there's so many things you can find on YouTube that teach oh you. Oh my God. Listen, when I made the movie, every day at the end of the day, I would say, thank you God for YouTube. Because every yeah. time I would get stuck on Final Cut, there was somebody giving a wonderful tutorial that would bail me out, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, that's, yeah, that's sharing this information because it's so vital and it, I think it inspires people. It's like one, one last thing I have to tell you about technology. Yeah. My, my uncle, my father's brother, he just passed away um, a couple of years ago, but he was in his nineties and he was on Facebook posting pictures and he wrote a book and uh, you know, a family yeah. history. And he did it all because he, he just wanted to stay, in touch and if you don't if you don't learn this then you know progress passes you by <laughs> yeah yes and it, it's uh yeah and there's no excuse not to just put your toe in it you don't have to get obsessed with it but just to know what's going on because there's a world out there you can actually see the world through things like youtube and other sites and plus you may have interests that are um something that's been burning within you for many years. And so uh, you can virtually explore them and have that satisfied that you, you want to learn. Le as long as you want to learn, you should be feeding that, you know, that's yeah. what I think. I don't, that's what I think. Yeah. Listen, I think you're a lot lifelong learner like me. Yeah. And, you know, after a certain age too, and I, ha I hate to use that expression, I could, think of a better way but you know you occasionally deal with health issues and they can throw us um so but i know for me whenever i i'm feeling good i i just take that as such a blessing and i just kind of jump right back in but you know you can't take for granted that there's always going to be a tomorrow you just absolutely. don't know you just don't know so absolutely uh, that's how i felt last year because you know last year i was going through uh last year at this time uh, I was just finishing up radiation therapy for, uh, for breast cancer. And, you know, now I'm, thank God I'm healthy. I'm cancer free. Yeah. Um, everything is, is good. But, you know, right after that happened, I just thought, you know, 
carpe diem. It's like, I, I thought I have all this music ready to release. I can either sit on it and wait and see what happens to the pandemic or just do it now. It's like, there you go. Just do it now. Cause tomorrow isn't promised, you know? Yeah, there, so, so we're in agreement on so many things. Listen, yeah. I thank you so much. This has been a wonderful yeah. interview and inspirational. And I, I really, I, I hope my listeners go check you out because it's an experience going on your site. <laughs> it's a, thank you. it's a total entertainment. You will not be disappointed. Thank so, you so much, Charmin. Thank yeah, you, Judy. Judy dot biz. Yes. You take care. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. Pick up your hat, close up your flat, get out and get under that moon.